Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the United States. And I I want to talk to you today about something that I think most Americans are not really aware of, and that is a pastor that is being held in prison in Turkey. Now, I have a good friend with me who knows about this situation uh, a lot. His name is uh, George Perot. He's actually the missions director at Morningstar. He's a very good friend of mine, been a good friend for a while, and I'm so happy to have him together with us this morning. Hey, George, you there, brother? I'm here. All right, great. Hey, um, I know that we were we were spending we had a great time last week uh, at your church, hanging out with you a little bit. And during the time that we were together, we were talking a little bit about a pastor who has been held in, in incarceration in Turkey, um, and and I felt that this was something that we should let our listeners know. Something we we've got people from around the world that are praying for us on a regular basis, as well as praying for the persecuted church. And this pastor is someone that we have never really talked about on the B2J podcast before, and I just want to bring it to the attention of those that are praying for us so hopefully they can direct their prayers towards him and the things that he's going through. I know it's been a high-profile case uh, for the government, but it hasn't really been covered that much in news or even in Christian news. I know that's been covered from time to time. I mean, I've seen it on CNN and Breitbart, so it's not like it hasn't been covered, but it hasn't been covered with a lot of coverage time, if that makes any sense. That's right. Yeah, the family of Andrew Brunson really appreciates everyone's prayers. Uh, they've meant a lot. They can feel the, the intercessors praying for them. And it's been discovered in the last month, even by uh, a news announcement by Erdogan, the leader of Turkey, that basically he's a political pawn. Uh, and the Turkish government is asking for an exchange of, of this Gulen imam in uh, Pennsylvania, who they accuse of starting the attempted coup uh, recently there, and then led to all the crackdowns and increased persecution, even journalists being um, incarcerated. And uh, so it's it's really like he's a pawn in this play. And so he's in a cell with, I think, 19 or 20 uh, other prisoners whom are all Muslims, and uh, the family really appreciates prayers. They've uh, been able to meet with Vice President uh, Pence, representative of the family, uh, and also with Rex Torson, Secretary of State. And so there's been increasing pressure, and I think there were 78 senators and congressmen that signed a petition last spring demanding his immediate release, but so far to no avail. So we need to... Um, really get the word out for more people to pray for Andrew's release. Can you introduce us to a little bit of Andrew, just to kind of put it into perspective? Because from what I understand, uh, he's lived in Turkey for a while. He's been serving as a pastor openly 
in Turkey for a while. They've been applying, from what I understand, they applied for um, a long-term residency. And when they were called to the police department, they thought that they were probably going to go for their approval of their residency when, in fact, they were detained. And from what I understand... This is not a threat. Like he seems like he had a church of twenty-five members or something in a in, in one of the cities of Turkey. Which I mean, I've been to Amish churches where that would be barely two families. <laughs> That's right. Yes, and and he's been there for twenty-three years with a house of prayer in um, Izmir, and um, you know, doing the work of an, an evangelist and a pastor, small congregation. Uh, helping at times uh, when when the Lord provided uh, aid to refugees and those fleeing um, terror and coming into Turkey, and so they've been faithfully serving. And you know he's had accusations that he's a spy and works for the government, or he's part of this Gulen anti Erdogan um, terror group, um, as they've been accused. But really, he's just been faithful in doing the work of the Lord. I've met him uh, twice over the last 10 years, and uh, just a sweet family. I've met his wife and some of his children, and just imagine the, the turmoil and um, the oppression that this has put on the, on the family as they've uh, prayed and interceded and asked others. And then his wife has uh, been faithful, and even uh, advisors and friends and prayer partners have advised her to get out of Turkey, but she's so committed, and she says, no, I'm not leaving uh, Turkey without my husband. This this is um, it can be very confusing, I think, for the listeners because they're hearing about you know him being a political pawn. They some of our listeners may not be really um, that knowledgeable about things that are taking place inside of Turkey. I mean, I I travel to Turkey, I work in Turkey. I'm not that familiar with what's taking place inside of Turkey. But for those of our listeners, um, it is important to know that uh, this, in many ways, what's happening in Turkey prompted, uh, at least in part, the Brexit. Because the British people were seeing a, a, a more radical Islamic group take over in Turkey – and Turkey starting to send more Islamists into Europe and the prime minister of Britain desiring to bring Turkey into the EU and make um, Turkey a member of the EU, which would, which would change the status of the EU with having a massive Islamic influence. So – the Brits did not like that. They did not like the idea of the of Turkish Muslims just flowing back and forth freely into Britain without Britain having any say about it at all as long as it was allowed by the EU. And you have been talking about this other aspect, which is a cleric in Pennsylvania that has been considered to be a more moderate Muslim, which is what Turkey's kind of based on, moderate Islam. Uh, which is changing under this leader that has now become a dictator. Uh, he has basically gotten rid of the judicial uh, power, the parliamentary power, the prime minister power, and now President Erdogan has absolute power. At least that's the way that I can see it, uh, it with an elementary kind of view. 
Um, yeah. How would you explain? Is is there anything that I have been misled on, or something that I'm not understanding, or something that you could say to make it even more clear? Because as talking about this Pastor Andrew as a pawn, um, what does that actually mean? Why why would you say that he's a pawn? Well, years ago when Erdogan first uh, was running for office, I believe that he presented himself as a moderate um, Muslim also. And then over the years, he's gotten more and more um, in line with true Islam, which is to establish the caliphate. And, you know, non-believers or infidels are either um, converted or forced to pay uh, Dima, Dima, I think, which is a tax, so it's like a tithe for non-Muslims to pay to Muslims. Um, and we were in Greece in uh, mid-2016, and we saw a publication that Erdogan had put out um, and reclaiming even the island of Rhodes and some of the other islands that are, are now part of Greece as part of uh, the Turkish uh, Empire. And so it's, uh, his heart is to reestablish the Ottoman Empire, expand the borders of Turkey, and there's been a lot of um, um, political and spiritual warfare in this of, of him uh, quieting uh, and silencing his accusers or those that don't agree with him, as you said, um, doing away with many of the judicial uh, privileges or rights that were in Turkey before, and now he is a a dictator. And we know from history, you know, in the late 60s, um, Cyprus was part of Greece. Turkey invaded Cyprus and now has control over North Cyprus uh, and has claimed that. And so, um, you know, for almost 100 years, 80 years or so, the Ottoman Empire was pretty uh, quiet after the genocide of um, the um, Armenians uh, that happened. And things kind of settled down in this kind of era of uh, moderate Islam took hold and and actually prospered and their economy grew. You know, and it's it's bizarre now that Turkey is still a member of NATO. And, uh, you know, we've talked with young people in Turkey that were really uh, many of them. I think the majority of people under 30 were in favor of Turkey becoming part of the European Union because they like the the Western lifestyle and the freedom of the press and the freedom in society. And um, I think Erdogan felt very threatened by that, so he began to quash things uh, five years ago as far as uh, young people gathering or concerts or serving liquor in bars and restaurants and things like that to really bring back in the so-called uh, true Islam, where you know people don't drink and the West is evil and modern civilization is evil and technology is bad. But um, it's really uh, a bizarre journey that Turkey has led on, and they're such a big country. It's interesting to note that they're also one of the least Christian nations in the world. The last number I saw a few years ago was less than 2% are Christians in Turkey, but we have several friends and their families who are from the last either UK or America or Canada who have lived in Turkey for many years without problems. And Andrews was one of them. They, they were just having a small congregation. They were doing Christian works and being faithful about what the Lord had called them to. Um, and so it just caught them totally by surprise. I think it was October 7th of 2016 
when Andrew was arrested. And Maureen herself was de detained, the wife of Andrew, for two weeks. And then she was finally uh, let go, but they kept Andrew. And for months, the family was not able to see uh, Andrew uh, or get books into him or the Bible. Um, but uh, that has since changed, and she sees him about once a week. But it is still a, a terrible um, situation. But Erdogan has just gone to the far right extreme of Islam and wanting to establish the Ottoman Empire and expand the borders of Turkey, actually. And they've had influence, you know, in, um, in Iraq and Syria. Um, and basically, I think Turkey feels threatened that Iran will get too much of a foothold. So it's almost a, a battle between the two main sects of uh, Islam. You said something very interesting that I hadn't even thought about is that they're a part of NATO. Um, and the reason I think that that's interesting is because that that is supposed to be a military alliance. And at the moment, the U.S. really doesn't have a military alliance with Turkey. We're able to do some operations together with Turkey, but they've been causing a lot of problems and a lot of challenges for the U.S. military, especially with the operations when it comes to Syria and Iraq. And we have had a big need for, you know, their base. And if it was and if it was a, a true NATO alliance there, that would be an open end, an open invitation. But it's actually quite difficult to coordinate together with Turkey as far as the, what I'm understanding from the U.S. military. When you're talking about reestablishing the the old um, uh Ottoman Empire, because that was the Ottoman Empire, the seat of the Ottoman Empire in Turkey. I mean, I don't know if a lot of our audience knows, but I just want to throw this out there really quick. Turkey basically ran a lot of the Middle East. So Syria, Iraq, uh, Egypt, Jordan, Israel, all of that was under the control of the Ottoman Empire. In fact, they were the ones that closed up the Eastern Gate, which is still closed up today in, in Jerusalem. And they ran um, northern Africa and all the way into Eastern Europe. So, you know, your your countries like Romania, Bulgaria, Serbia, Greece, that those were all under the control of the the Ottoman Empire. And that's what you're saying that uh, the the current president is wanting to reestablish. He's wanting to reestablish the glory days of the Ottoman Empire or the, the the Islamic Empire that that ruled and kept everybody under the Islamic control and tried to continue spreading um, the 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 spirit of Islam. Yes, that's true. It's, it's really fascinating, and it's so important for all of us to know our history of the world, history of that region, of what's going on there, uh, so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And in the name of um, political correctness and uh, mind control through the media, um, Turkey has put out this, uh, uh, all the, well, hey, we're good people and we support freedoms and we support this, but we have to defend ourselves against enemies that want to overthrow our government and our nation. And um, they've gotten... Behind the scenes, you know, you hear reports from friends working in, in the Middle East and Iraq and Syria where they were, um, uh, rumors were, and they may or may not be true, I have to clarify that, of uh, Turkey supporting ISIS and delivering arms and goods. I know from our personal experience, we were uh, sending in humanitarian aid, several cargo containers. One had a mobile kitchen that could feed up to 5,000 refugees a day. 
And that sat in port in Turkey um, for two years. And the Turkish officials were telling our our um, uh, import manager and our friends that, well, Turkey doesn't want to take sides. They don't want to. And we would tell them, well, hey, we're feeding uh, Muslims and uh, Christians, Yazidis, whoever's fleeing ISIS terrorism. And they said, well, we don't want to get involved. And it was just a, a blatant um, offense that they're refusing humanitarian aid that would be used to help anybody who was hungry or thirsty or needed medical care. And um, we since had to, to give up and pull back those cargo containers um, and then find other ways to get aid into Iraq or Syria. So it's been frustrating to deal with the obstinacy of the Turkish government the last few years during the greatest migration we've seen since World War II um, of just not helping innocent people uh, stay alive. Now, I, I do want to keep the focus on this pastor so that people can pray for Pastor Andrew. And the only reason I, we, you and I are having this conversation is so that, in my opinion, I can, you know, know a little bit about why things are taking place in the bigger picture, because this is a bigger picture. This isn't just a, a pastor being arrested in Turkey. I, like you said, He's a bit of a his is being used as a, a bit of a pawn between two big nations that are that are increasingly at odds with one another. Uh, one of the things that that I have been interested in watching was, you know, I was in Egypt uh, when the Muslim Brotherhood began their sweep for the Arab Spring in 2011. I can remember looking out my window in Cairo and seeing mobs forming up and starting to protest. I was on one of the last flights out before they shut down the, the airport temporarily in Cairo, and I remember clearly – the support that the American president at that time during that administration had for the Muslim Brotherhood. In fact, one of the first speeches that President Barack Obama had when he left from the United States was in Egypt, in Cairo, and insisted, uh, demanded actually, uh, under, under threat of him not coming unless the Muslim Brotherhood was allowed to have front row seats. The reason I bring that up is because the people of Turkey were seeing this grab of power by an Islamist that scared them, that worried them, or at least as I've seen it. And there was a coup uh, last year in Turkey, and President Obama actually supported um, uh, Erdogan in his fight against the coup. And he was able to outlast the coup, which made him more leery of this cleric in Pennsylvania. And um, our, the, the president of the United States at that time actually supported um, this, this grab of power and, and saw um, Erdogan as the future of Islam and the future of Islam in Turkey. And now we see a completely different relationship to the point that just a week ago or so, American visas on arrival have now all been canceled. And in fact, if I were to apply before, I could just fly to Turkey and you know uh, pay a fee and then walk into the country. It's always been easy. It's always been a tourist type of place. But now uh, all American visas, as far as I understand, have been stopped to Turkey. And we have a team now in northern Iraq, an American team that is working together with Back to Jerusalem. And as they're 
options for leaving Iraq become limited, one of the places that they've looked to is Turkey. But Turkey is slowly closing off as well. Now, they already have a Turkish visa. We're hoping that their visa will be accepted because they already have it. But if they were to apply for it today as American citizens, they would not receive a Turkish visa. So we're seeing Turkey go down a really dark road, isolating itself from Europe, America, and Christians around the world. And I think that this is highlighted a little bit, at least for me, uh, with the arrest and detention of this pastor, Andrew. Yes, when you think about, you know, his church has 25 or so members in his congregation. Like, why would they pick on this uh, harmless uh, pastor just doing the work board and really called and committed to helping people in Turkey? And I know we've had uh, them and other friends that have taught English as a second language, and they have classes, and they reach out and they help people with food, um, like many churches do around the world. Uh, you know, when families are between jobs or a move or there's a sickness in the family, they're making meals for people that have relatives in the hospital, etc. And um, so it's just uh, I think they were grasping at straws, and I think uh, you know America needs to really look at is uh, should. How can we be uh, keep them as a member of NATO? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Pastor Andrew, can you, you – you just started a little bit uh, to introduce the work that he's been doing for uh, – how many years did you say that he's been living in Turkey? He's been there for 23 years, and they've hosted uh, teams and visitors from around the world who are focused on prayer of uh, at times 24-7 prayer – and they've had people, many people from Asia and other regions of the world, not just Americans coming there, who are focused on, on the Lord and God's plans. So as far as you know, Andrew was never politically active. Not that I know of, no. Yeah, so you're talking about a man who has given 23 years of his life, raised his kids in the country together with his wife as a complete servant of the Lord. Has, has lived a pretty quiet existence serving the people of Turkey the best that he and his family could, hosting others that have come and have a heart for the Turkish people, hosting them, being guides for them, helping to share with them the best way to help. And this is the person that they decide to arrest and detain and put in prison. I, I mean, yeah. it, it it seems really like the, the 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 typical activities of the enemy. When I say the enemy, I'm not talking about the Turkish people, of course. I'm talking about the spiritual enemy that really focuses on attacking and making look evil one of the most innocent among us. That's right. Yes, and you know they. Um, in defense of small churches, many times the presence of the Lord is strong or stronger in those places because of the close relationships. And Andrew and his family and their leaders, they were interested in drawing attention to themselves. They were concerned about deep relationships and true fellowship, real koinonia, uh, of uh, building up a body of believers, even if it was small, the numbers didn't matter, who uh, grew in intimacy with the Lord and our relationship with our Creator, and then uh, that strong relationship with trusted friends in prayer and fellowship 
we've had different friends that don't know each other, but they knew Andrew and visited him, and they consistently 100% vouch for his integrity and that of his family and the character that they have there of a true servant's heart of just being focused on the Lord and, Lord, how do we reach people one at a time with the love of Jesus? Yeah, it's with with the work because I mean this is this has just been something that uh, I have really been praying for lately. I know that we when we were at your church together with Brother Yun, the heavenly man, um, and he was able to preach both at your retreat center there in Moravian Falls as well as at the church. We had uh, some one-on-one time together where we were able to pray together with the staff. You prayed for us. We prayed for you. And one of the things that you mentioned that that Brother Yun was very uh, keen to know more about was Pastor Andrew. And during that time, um, you know, he he was praying for Pastor Andrew and his family. We know that, you know, as tough as things are, and I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way. As t- tough as things are for Andrew, I have to think that things are even harder for his wife and his children because they don't know what's going on. At least he knows what he's going through. And his family is left with the challenge of only imagining what he must be going through. And sometimes our imagination can be more of a torture than actually experiencing it ourselves. And so I can only think about the the many sleepless nights that his wife has had, that his children has had. Now, you have been in contact together with his wife. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about her thoughts and what she has yeah. asked of, of, of people around the world? I know that she's been making her prayer requests known to you. What What is she asking for people that are praying for hus- her husband to pray for? Well, she's an amazing woman, and this is both uh, for both of them been the trial of their lives to go through, to withstand, to really seek the Lord, to seek uh, comfort from the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, they have dealt with uh, a, a massive attacks of, of fear uh, and unknowing of what's going on, and uh, just uh, standing fast, even uh, as I mentioned earlier, many friends and probably some family have uh, said, oh, to the wife, you need to get out of there and wait till this is over. And Andrew's freed, and she's so committed. She's standing fast. One of their children has delayed her wedding until uh, the father can attend the wedding. So pray for his release so they can have this wedding. The daughter and the fiance are, are waiting faithfully standing in prayer agreement together. And I was so touched, uh, Eugene, by uh, Brother Yun's heart to pray for Andrew. Going into that meeting, we had just left the uh, K-12 school, CSCL, and and the young people there were so impacted by Brother Yun Heavenly Man's uh, words and heart that he shared. I know that they were deeply inspired and touched, and there'll be many missionaries coming out of that school. And um, uh, I felt the strongest, gee, ask um, Brother Yun, who spent 10 years at different times in prison in, uh, for his faith, to pray for Andrew. And so I believe that the, uh, Andrew and his wife have received an impartation from Brother Yun, because they wrote um, um, back after I mentioned to her uh, by text that Brother Yun was praying for Andrew and the family, that they were so touched that uh, Brother Yun's one of their heroes. 
and they had read uh, Heavenly Man, the book, in 2008, and then I think they read the book as a family together, and Andrew has read Heavenly Man again while he's been in jail in this last year. It's a year and 16 days now that he's been in jail, and um, of how um, it touched them so that Brother Yon was praying for them, and they shared, um, uh, Noreen, the wife, shared of how one of their prophetic friends, I think in 2010 or 11, had a vision from the Lord about the revival winds of China would blow to Turkey, and there would be that revival in Turkey of people just understanding the love of God and the love of the Father for the people there in Turkey. And um, she shared a, um, a painting that someone had done, well, someone in the family or a friend, but it showed the globe, um, and it had words in Turkish and in Chinese with wind blowing from China into Turkey. So many are, are really praying for God's very best for Turkey and, and the destiny that the Lord had planned for Turkey as they're praying. But it meant so much for Brother Yun to spend time. And I thought at first, well, I knew he would pray a very heartfelt, authentic, genuine prayer from his heart. But it turned into like 30 or, I don't know, I lost track of times, 20 or 30 or 40 minutes of praying for Andrew and speaking into their life. And uh, it was just such a blessing. So thank you for bringing Brother Young and thank Brother Young for his uh, power-packed prayer. Yeah, that was a, a very kind letter uh, that I read from Andrew's wife, and uh, I am traveling together with Brother Young now. We have our last meeting in Maine. And so I will be sharing that letter. I'm going to try to read it to him tonight. We've been traveling uh, nonstop since we left you. Um, and he and I have been in different vehicles because of our travel arrangements. So I haven't been able to actually sit down with him and read that letter, but it's something that I want to. I have mentioned it to him while we've been eating together and just before service and after service uh, tonight at our church. We're going to try to also remember him in prayer. And I want uh, all of our Back to Jerusalem supporters to please remember Pastor Andrew in, in Izmir, Turkey. Um, you know, uh, I was just in Izmir uh, last year. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with that area of Turkey, this is the very streets that Paul walked on. Um, this is this is the area just down the road. Actually, when I went to Ephesus, I flew into Izmir and then drove down to Ephesus. And then when I went up to Trous, the place where Paul has the vision to take the gospel to Macedonia, um, Trous is just north of Izmir. So this is right in the heart of where Paul was preaching when he went into Asia Minor. And we, we're so thankful for people like Andrew and his family who have given their entire lives to preach the gospel in the nations that don't even want them there, that do not even appreciate them, that want to yeah. persecute them, that want to kill them, that want to stop their message. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Even though Christ gave his life for those that were at the cross— those that were at the cross carried out the sentencing of his crucifixion. It's not that they're evil. It's that they have been blinded by the evil one. And love, true love, is sacrificial and brings the message even to those that resist it. Because they know not what they do. 
It takes a special kind of person. It takes a special kind of devotion. It takes a special kind of self-sacrifice to not worry about you, your, your family, your children, and to put all of that self-preservation to the side and be dedicated to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not in the easy areas, but in the hard ones. Thank you so much, George, for, for sharing with us, brother. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate um, you taking your time and sharing with us about this pastor. Thank you, Eugene, and uh, thank you, everyone, for praying for uh, for Andrew and his family and for God's purposes and plans for Turkey. Lord, we do ask you to forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Have a good day. It was okay. great talking to you. God bless you. Bye-bye. For the people that are praying for Turkey, we would like to try to keep you updated on Pastor Andrew's situation. Um, we're going to start doing that. This is our very first podcast, but as we learn more, we will be sharing more. Um, we have this wonderful letter that came from uh, Sister Noreen, uh, Andrew's wife, and she said that it was Brother Yun's book, the, the Heavenly Man book. She said that Andrew read his book in 2008 and reread it again in prison. And she said that it was his book which mentioned the Back to Jerusalem idea that prompted Andrew to start seeking ways to invite Chinese to Turkey. They've had the greatest harvest are now called to be harvesters in the Middle East. She said that our desire is to facilitate the Chinese coming here. They have been looking out for connections for China in the past few years and were in a, in, in a small training program for Chinese when they were arrested. And a number of them pulled away from the church as a result. Um, and they're asking for the continued prayer. That is what they do. They were a house of prayer um, in Turkey, praying for the people the salvation of those living in Turkey. I want to thank you guys so much for, again, downloading this podcast, being a part of what Back to Jerusalem is doing. We are not working in Turkey actively at the moment, but we ask you that are praying for Back to Jerusalem missionaries to pray for our brother and sister that are there now. Pray for them because the Back to Jerusalem vision is not a Chinese one. It's the Great Commission, one that we are all called to. It is one that all brothers and sisters in Christ are unified in. Whether we are working together or independently, we are all doing the same task, to love, give our lives for others, and die, just like our leader. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. God bless you. Yeah.